So Jim is an elder candidate, as you guys know, and um, part of the process is, is um, public teaching, uh, which is a, a uh, qualification for elders. Um, <clears throat> so Jim's going to be preaching this morning, but it's, it's just such a gift uh, because of who Jim is and his love for God's word. Hey, boys, I need you both to, to sit down because being able to manage your household is also an elder qualification, so... Um, hey, Matthew and John, would you guys take a seat over there? Right over there? Not here. Matthew, you can follow John over there. My wife's in CM. So, um, thanks, Deb. So, um, but I, <clears throat> what I, I did want to just say is I, I've known Jim for uh, several years now, and he is an amazing brother in Christ who loves God's word. And um, the one thing I just want to say ahead of time, I think it'll become clear as Jim preaches, once again, we did not plan uh, the timing of this message, but I, I hope that you'll hear through this message and what Jim is going to preach, that there is a, uh, such a love letter from the Lord to us for such a time as this and everything that's been going on in the last few weeks uh, in Jim's word to us this morning. I, I just feel like I don't want us to miss the fact that God is saying, I am here in your midst and I care about you, church. God loves this little church, and he keeps showing up in obvious ways and special ways. And I just want you to take that to heart. So this is another moment of that, I believe, not to put too much on Jim's shoulders, but I think it's the Lord, our husband, Redeemer, who's just continuing to be faithful to love us at Living Hope. So come on up, Jim, and welcome Jim as he comes to preach God's word. Yay. Good morning, guys. Can you hear me? Is it on? Okay. okay. Um, so the uh, the last time I gave a talk like this was maybe 13 years ago or so at a nursing home, and so I think half of them couldn't hear me anyway. So, uh, so I'm going to pray right now, just that God would would just move through His Word here. Okay. Okay. Um, Father God, thank you for. Uh, this time that we can be together and to worship you together and to hear your word together. I just pray that uh, you would just touch all of our hearts um, and just, uh, just move in this, in this assembly right now. Uh, give us a hunger for you and a hunger for your word, I ask. Just I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, so, um, let's up here, okay. Uh, so uh, in, in Hebrews 4.12, it says, the word, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And I, I'm, I'm going to read the context, actually. So my wife this morning told me to talk slowly, is what she said, talk slowly. So if I talk fast, tell me to slow down. <laughs> okay. Um, so Hebrews 4. Um, so it's talking about how uh, Israel didn't enter the promised land because of unbelief and they, they were disobedient. It says, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest 
so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So it's saying strive to enter this, this rest. So it's not talking about, a, the Sabbath is talking about here is not a day of the week. It's something we are striving for to enter this rest that it's talking about. Um, and then right after that, it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So whatever, this, whatever all this passage means, um, it's, it's apparent that entering this rest, this new rest we have, this new Sabbath we have in the Spirit of God is intertwined with this. So the Word of God. Um, so all that said, all that said, our rest in large part is found in our interaction with this word. Our hope in large part is found with our interaction with this word. Um, this past week, as Albert said, um, Josh Harris, who was a pastor at Covenant Life, announced that he's no longer a uh, believer. Um, so he was a pastor, I think, for 11 years at Covenant Life. Um, when we hear that, the question is, what do we do? when we hear that. And our response has got to involve going to this. Um, A story of somebody renouncing their faith is not unique to Josh Harris. It's not unique to people in this century. Um, It has happened in the first century, and the Bible mentions, talks about it in the first century, and this is what it says. And these these are not easy words to hear. Um, in 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are not of us. Um, that's not my opinion. That's not an idea. This, this is the word of God saying this. Um, in Hebrews 6, 1 through 6, it says, Therefore, Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washing or the laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. It's talking about growing up, growing into maturity, becoming mature as a church. It says, and this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit and tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. That's that's Josh Harris. And then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they're crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. I do not know his heart. I just know what he wrote. I don't know his inner being or his inner thoughts. I just know what he wrote. Um... And he very much sounds like who Jesus talked about in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, they'll say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works? Did I not lead a a megachurch? Did I not write many books and follow and seem like I was following you and be kind and understanding? And he will say, 
um, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. I say all of this. Um, my point is, in saying that, isn't, I don't, again, I don't know Josh Harris's heart here. My point in saying all of this is our hope cannot be in dynamic leaders. Our hope cannot be in um, pastors, in churches. Our rest cannot come from gifted men and women. Um, our rest has got to come from God, mainly through the word. Um, so I, I, like, I like reading John Piper. I like reading Tim Keller. I love listening to Tim Keller's messages. Uh, I think he's a great pastor. I think he's a great preacher. Um, when I stand before King Jesus, he's not going to ask me if I agree with what Tim Keller said um, or if I followed a particular movement. He calls me to obey him and mainly, and I know mainly how to obey him and follow him through the word. That's how I mainly know how to do that. There's an interaction of the spirit and a communion with God there, but I mainly know that through this. When Jesus says, follow me, he doesn't say, um, follow me and follow your leaders and follow your pastors and follow um, people you respect. It is, we are called to respect folks in leadership. We're called to honor people in leadership. But Jesus tells us to follow him, him. I, uh, I just earned my, my doctorate. Um, so I, I have a DR now in front of my name. Um, but when I, get, when I stand before King Jesus and get to heaven, there's, no, there's not going to be a room of, there's not going to be a room full of uh, advanced degrees of people in heaven who are in advanced degrees. And so even though it can provide me an opportunity here, I must not put my hope in it. Um, I can love my spouse I can love my kids. I can love my job. I can love to pursue excellence in things. Um, I can love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can love the lost. I can love such things. I can love beautiful mornings like this morning. Um, but I must not put my hope in such things because they will fail me, whether it is through betrayal or through other things like that or through death, ultimately. They will fail me. Um, we have a living hope in Christ now. It's in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. It says, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us, for, for us. Um, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. My hope has got to be in Jesus, period, period. My hope is in heaven. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us go to him outside the camp. This is all in, all in Hebrews here. Go to him outside the camp because here we have no lasting city. We seek the city that is to come. And I know all of what I just said because of the word here. Um, this word we have is living, it's active. 
this word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. If I don't have a lamp or a light, I am in darkness. Open my eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. That's Psalm 119.18. Faith comes through hearing. This is Romans 10. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Romans 15.4. For whatever was written in former days, this is the Old Testament, in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Um, so um, when, I, when, I, when Albert asked me to do this, I first thought of talking about Hebrews 11 because I th- find it so amazing that everyone mentioned Hebrews 11 is so normal. Like they're just normal people. Um, but in, in reading it, I just, I just felt like we need to talk about how the word saves and how the word sustains. Um, so I'm going to talk about those two, two things here. The, the word saves and the word sustains us. Um, and I'm going to use uh, biographical things. So I'm going to talk about three people that were saved by hearing the word and uh, one person that uh, was sustained through the word. And they're, they're all dead. And I think it's, it's nice to talk about people that are dead <laughs> because their story, their story is done. So, like, so uh, unlike, unlike Josh Harris, whose story is still moving, the, their story is done. You can look back on it and see a, a fuller picture of God's sovereignty there. Um, so um, so three, three people I want to talk about. The first one is uh, St. Augustine. So St. Augustine was, uh, he, was a, he lived in like, three, four hundreds A.D. He was in North, he was North African. And he was, by all means, we would call today addicted to sex, is what he was addicted to. And he was uh, absolutely uh, caught up in wanting pleasure and wanting to just fulfill his desires. Um, he became so discouraged and so depressed uh, throughout life because of that, it wasn't, would not satisfy. He would later, after he was saved, say his heart was restless until it rested in him. Um, but he, uh, he was saved. He was sitting, sat under a tree one day, and he heard a boy singing just the words, come and hear, come and hear, come and hear. And that reminded him, and this is God's sovereignty here, that reminded him of a verse he heard years beforehand that said, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness or sexual immorality and sensuality or in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And he would point to that verse as the moment he believed in Christ in that moment. So the word has power. It says in Hebrews again, where is it? The word has power to, uh, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing the soul and the spirit. Um, Martin Luther um, was an Augustinian monk. He was not a believer. He would lacerate himself because he thought it would please God. It was called penance. He would use penance. He would, and, and this was common in the 1500s, where they would, 
injure themselves because they thought it would take away sin. Um, and he just, again, became so discouraged. He came across the passage in Romans, Romans 1.17. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed uh, from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And he was just thrown by the Spirit of God to put his faith then in Christ. The just live by faith, not by, not by works, not by penance, not by doing things. We live by faith. And it was that verse, 200 years after that, that John, John Wesley, who was a, a, a figure in the Great Awakening, would hear that verse explained by Martin Luther, and John Wesley would become saved through that. Um, so Charles Spurgeon says, um, Charles Spurgeon was a, pa- a pastor in England, uh, Isaiah 45:22 says, Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. I am God, there is no other. Uh, he heard that passage stated and preached by a pastor. And he said the pastor looked right at him and said, Young man, look to Jesus. So I, I say these things because this is not just unique examples, but I say these things, the word has power to divide soul and spirit and pierce to discerning your thoughts. Like, this word here that we've been given is God's word to us. Um, So, the word sustains. Um, Again, little one biographical thing and then an explanation here. Um, To sustain means to keep, to hold, to have to grasp to sustain. Uh, God uses that. It says in uh, hold on a second, turn here. In First Corinthians one, um, so Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of Christ Jesus. It says, God is faithful by whom we are called into fellowship with his son. If we really have faith in Christ, he sustains. He keeps us to the end. In Philippians it says, um, I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So this is God's sovereignty and God's goodness keeping us and sustaining us here. And he mainly does that. He does it through other various means, but he mainly does that through this, the word here. So Richard Vermbrand was a pastor in Romania. He eventually became the founder of the Voice of the Martyrs. Um, he was a pastor in Romania. Um, when the communists took over, he was pastor. And he, uh, in the 1940s, what it was, 1940s, um, they would put spies in various locations to spy out who are the dissenters, who are the rebels, and to, to get them out of society. Um, he was arrested a few years after uh, the communists took over because he was sharing the gospel with people in the communist party and people in the military and people were be- being saved. And so he was arrested. Um, knowing that his arrest was coming, for a few years before that, he would, every day, he made a point to memorize a verse or a passage. So on January 2nd, whatever it was, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Uh, April 4th, would it, uh, I am sure of this, uh, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. 
whatever the verse was, okay? He had a verse for each day that he memorized and put to heart. He was arrested. He was taken out to the Carpathian Mountains, which is in the middle of nowhere. Um, and he was put in prison. He eventually was found out he was talking about Jesus with the prison with the prisoners, and so he was put in solitary confinement for years in solitary confinement, where the only light was a little light coming out of the ceiling. And uh, he eventually was released. They would actually, they would take him each night, and they would whip him, and they would beat his feet so badly that he could not walk properly for the rest of his life. Um, and he was released eventually, and he would point back to the only thing that kept him and sustained him was every day he knew what the next thing, what the next verse was. And he would, re- he would recite it to himself again and again and again. And it would remind him to pray for others and to pray for his guards and to, to really bring him close to God. And people, his guards would see him singing and dancing in his, in his cell. They, they thought he was crazy. But uh, it was the word that sustained him because he had it in his chest. He had it in his heart. Um... In the story, The Pilgrim's Progress, there's a, which is written by a guy named John Bunyan, who himself was in prison when he wrote it. Um, there's a, it's an allegory, so it's telling about, uh, there's a character named Christian, and it's allegorical, so it's supposed to depict the Christian life, or this is what the Christian life is like. Okay, so he, Christian is on his way to, it's called the Celestial City, okay? Um, so Christian is in jail with a guy named Hopeful. And they are in a prison. They are in a castle called Doubting Castle. Um, and there, it's guarded by a giant named Giant Despair. Okay? Um, and Christian realizes that at one point he says, he says, what a fool I am to be in this stinking dungeon when all I, I could have just, I could have gone free. He says, I have a key in my chest pocket called Promise is the word, promise, that will, I am persuaded, open any lock in Doubting Castle. And Hopeful said, that's good news. Get it out and try it. And Christian pulled it out of his chest pocket and began to open every lock in Doubting Castle. My point in these stories is the word is, has saving and guarding and protecting power in it. And it's sad, it's, it's sad to me that so many Christians that I've talked to throughout the years are not in this on a regular basis. Um, when we go home today and are tempted to lust, or we think of work and we're tempted to be anxious, or we feel betrayed by a spouse, or we feel like, um, what hope do we have anymore? We have to be able to get it from our chest. Um, we, can, we have the blessing of having a physical word here, a physical, physical Bible we can open when we need to. But there are times, whether I'm tempted or I'm anxious, I, I don't have access to this, and I need to have it in my heart. Um, so are we ready with this word when temptations come or when discouragements come? This physical book here can be banned, it can be burned, it can be mutilated, it can be destroyed. The Word of God, this is the sword of the Spirit we have here. Do we have it in our, in our chest? So a little side note here. Um, 
it's kind of like a little tangent, I think, but a little side note. Um, today, I read somewhere, but I forget where I read this, like over 50% of our communication today is either over email or social media, is what I read. Um, it is so, so freaking easy to uh, berate people and slander people and uh, just destroy their character online. It's so easy to do that. Um, I need to have this word in my chest on hyperdrive in social media today. Um, that said, I, I don't know if I don't know if you love Barack Obama. Well, I talked with at the Albert about this yesterday. I don't know if you love Barack Obama or you hate Barack Obama or love Donald Trump or hate Donald Trump. Um, but I do know in this word it says to in First Peter 2, it says, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And so if I am walking according to this word, I need to obey that and follow that. This emperor that's talking about in First Peter here, that it's the same emperor who um, purposely set the city of Rome on fire and sat in his little palace playing his violin while it burned down and later would point the finger and blame Christians which initiated the first Roman persecution of Christians. Which is why in, I think in, the, in 1 Corinthians, you have uh, Priscilla and Aquila came from Rome because of that persecution. Um, this is the same emperor that, is, that Peter's talking about here who would, uh, who would send his scouts out to capture Christians, bring them back to his palace, um, would beat them mercilessly until they were at a point of utter weakness, ram stakes into their chest cavities, lift them up around his courtyard, douse them in light oil, and light them on fire as light for his night parties. This is the emperor that this is talking about here. And it says, honor that emperor. So how silly it seems that we get in a huff because a president makes a bad nuclear deal or because a president sends out, sends out a dumb tweet. It just, it's, it, so we need the word in our hearts here and in our chests to respond in a God-honoring way to things. Um, so be in the word, my friends, because it's this word that leads us to look to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Um, we have got to trust God with all our hearts and not lean on our own understandings. And part of trusting God, a big part of that, is knowing this and loving this and being in this. When the world says to young men that you are your own man, the Bible tell and the Bible tells me that I am now a bondservant or a slave of Christ. I have to go with the word. When the world says to young women you need to be aggressive and show people what you're made of and need to get the upper hand in your jobs, and the word says if anyone would come after me, Jesus he or she needs to take up her cross and follow him. I go with the word. If the world says that homosexuality and transgenderism should be accepted as normal, and not just accepted, but applauded, um, and the Bible tells me that homosexuality is actually, in Romans 1, the fruit of God specifically hardening the heart, and that those who practice it will not inherit the kingdom of God, I have got to go with the word on that. Um, so my question to us, to all of us, including myself, will we obey the word?
Um, we live in a culture that's seriously trying desperately to fill our hearts with a thousand gray area options in life. Our culture hates the word binary. Um, male, female, marriage between man and woman. In this word, this word of God, our options are obey or disobey. God's being God and his work is not dependent on us or me. But he does tell us of the importance of his word and we need to follow him. And it's my prayer that we would follow him outside the camp through his word here. So my encouragement to all of us, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might this week. In large part, by taking up this sword of the spirit here. Um, so be in the word. Lean on him through being in this this week, please. So I'm going to pray real fast. Okay, then we'll close. Okay? Um, Father God, we just pray and we seek you now. We have this gift that you've given us, this word to us. And we pray, Lord God, that you would um, move through this word on us personally, on us as a congregation, and uh, on this city of, of Frederick here. Your word is living, it is active, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces, it discerns, it distinguishes, it separates my thoughts between what is obedient, what is disobedient. So just help me, Lord, help us follow you and seek you first through the word here. Um, in your name, amen.